the individual investor show. You bought it all, don't you? You hear one thing, they all need money. Now let's see if they're brave enough to earn it. Hello, and welcome to the Individual Investor Show. My name is Jenna Brashear, your host for this afternoon. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you all had a wonderful week. So as you may have noticed, we are back in the office off and on, so you may see a different background from time to time. So are you an investment sleuth? Do you like to delve deep into financial metrics to understand what you're investing in as well as the overall market? For many investors, the P-E ratio is their go-to metric to see if a company is correctly valued. But people often forget that the traditional P-E ratio may not show you the entire picture. The CAPE ratio, also known as the cyclically adjusted price to earnings ratio, accounts for 10 years of historical data and is inflation adjusted. Tonight's event is the individual investor show utilizing the CAPE ratio during inflationary periods. So for this episode, we chat with AAII journal editor Charles Roteblatt about his latest article on the CAPE ratio, where he delves into why using this specific metric during high inflation can give individual investors insights into expected market returns over the next five to 10 years by looking back into the past. We'll also go into how to effectively use the CAPE ratio to invest with confidence, as well as when to use the CAPE ratio in order to analyze the long-term value of the overall market. But before we jump in, I do want to preface tonight's presentation by reminding our viewers that AAII is a nonprofit educational group and is not a financial advisor, and thus is not able to give personal advice. Every investor is different. That's why our goal with each broadcast and article is to educate you on how to make better financial decisions. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy our presentation. Hi there, Charles. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Jenna. Hi, thanks. Um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, ask you a few questions about your article. and. Uh, so before we get into specifics, what is the CAPE ratio and how can investors use it? Sure, so CAPE stands for Cyclically Adjusted Price Earnings Ratio. And I know that's a mouthful. Uh, so it's doing two things. One, it, the, 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 really the P and the PE uh, is your is the S&P 500. So it's adjusting the price level of the PE of the it's adjusting the price level of the S&P 500. What you see quoted every day is adjusting that for inflation. Uh, the E part is the earnings for the S&P 500. Uh, and both case, and in the case of the earnings, uh, Robert Schiller, who helped create the ratio, is looking back 10 years. So he's taking the last 10 years of earnings and using that as your earnings. So you have an inflation adjusted S&P 500, you have a cyclically, cyclically adjusted earnings measure. So what you're basically doing is you're looking at, okay, what is the inflation adjusted level of earnings over the last 10 years? And how's that equates to valuation? And the reason why he looks out over 10 years is he's trying to smooth out the variability in earnings. So you think about earnings there you have economic influences, uh, you have industry influences, things can go up and down depending on where a company is in its cycle. All of those things can alter the earnings part. And obviously with inflation, when we're buying stocks, we're hoping for our stocks to rise faster than rate of inflation. And inflation obviously alters how much we pay for things. And so that's the argument for adjusting the in this case, the, the level of the S&P 500. That makes sense. And, um, you know, I just wanted to, you, you mentioned Robert Schiller, and I wanted to get a little more background about who he is, as well as John Campbell, and uh, a little bit more about their contributions. 
Sure. So uh, Robert Schiller is a professor at uh, Yale University. Um, he's known for his research into bubbles. Um, not only did he help co-create uh, the Cape Ratio, uh, many of the listeners might have heard of the uh, Case-Shiller Home Price Index. He actually helped create that as well. Uh, and that gives us a sense of how much home prices are appreciating. Uh, Schiller also is a Nobel laureate. Uh, he won the Nobel Prize after I sat down with him uh, in his office in June 2013. Uh, so not claiming any, any role in him winning the PE and winning the Nobel Prize, but uh, he didn't have it until I met with him. So <laughs> we'll, we'll say that. Uh, but so Schiller's done a lot of work. Um, he actually, uh, uh, around 1996, coined the phrase irrational exuberance. I'm sorry, that's a Greenspan. Uh, Alan Greenspan actually coined it, but Schiller was known for doing a book uh, with a similar name, uh, talking about the high valuations of tech stocks. Um, he's also, you know, known for his work into the housing bubble. Uh, and so he's, he does a lot of coursework into behavioral finance and, and is really recognized for that. Uh, John Campbell is an economics professor at Harvard University. Uh, Campbell actually was a student of Robert Schiller's uh, at the time uh, they developed the Cape Ratio. And for uh, people who follow uh, academics uh, and finance, I will point out that Robert Schiller and, uh, Robert Schiller and Jeremy Siegel uh, at the University of Pennsylvania who wrote uh, Stocks for the Long Run, they were actually college roommates. So everything kind of ties together somehow. Interesting, interesting. No, yeah, I, I wanted to get a little bit more background and I, I didn't actually know that John Campbell was a student of uh, Robert Schiller. So it's really interesting to find out. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, uh, I wanted to, you know, ask, you know, what does looking back uh, 10 years actually do and why is it important? So Schiller actually credits Ben Graham for this idea. And Ben Graham was Warren uh, Buffett's mentor. Graham was also known as, as really the, the father, the grandfather of value investing. Uh, but Ben Graham recommended looking at when you're evaluating a company, looking back seven to 10 years and so not using earnings for a year. So if you use a company that might be prone to have a lot of movement in its earnings up and down, uh, take an agricultural company. Uh, you know, some years uh, crop prices are really high. It's good for farmers. They're spending a lot on farm equipment. Uh, some years there might be a drought. Uh, might be really bad winter. Uh, farm prices are, are low. Commodity prices are really low for farm products. That'll dampen the value of farm equipment. And then if you're a company like John Deere, uh, your earnings will be affected by that as well. So when you look back seven to 10 years, you're trying to smooth out all that variability. Uh, and you know, if you're looking say at a tech company or perhaps a manufacturing firm, maybe it's not so much the weather, but perhaps it's economic cycles. So the idea is you're smoothing all that variability out versus when you look at earnings just for a 12 month period, whatever happened at 12 month period really impacts earnings and therefore impacts inflation. Um, and it could be that those last 12 months could be unusual. It could have been, a, might've been a very good 12 months for the company. Uh, it might have been a very bad 12 months for the company. So you're trying to smooth all that out. And so that's why Schiller's doing it uh, for the Cape Ratio. But in this case, instead of looking at just one specific company, 
he's looking at the S&P 5 index as a whole, uh, which as you know by the name, encompasses 500 different companies. And, you know, as a follow-up, uh, you know, I wanted to ask, you know, also that, you know, why do investors care about determining market valuation, uh, you know, at all, you know? Well, valuation basically tells you how much are you paying. And so the PE ratio is really how many times earnings are you paying uh, for a stock? So say if a stock is a PE of 20, you're basically paying 20 years worth of earnings for that stock. Uh, so if the company earns, we'll say the company earns $100 million, you're basically paying 20 times that $100 million for, for the, to own a share of the company. Uh, obviously, we should adjust those, that $100 million to the share level. Uh, what, so in this case, it really matters how much you pay for the stock. And we know with valuations are high, stock prices tend to underperform. Uh, when, stock, well, sorry, when valuations are high, stock prices tend to underperform. When valuations are low, stock prices tend to outperform. Now, it's not an instant relationship. You don't see a high multiple for the index of the S&P 500 or for a certain stock and then see prices underperform. But when you look out over periods of five or 10 years, you start to see the cycle where if valuations are high, stocks aren't going to return as well. They might still give you positive returns, but not high levels of positive returns. Uh, if the PE is low uh, and you look up five of the 10 year, you tend to see stocks to outperform. Uh, and if you think about bear markets and bubbles, uh, during a bear market, we see valuations being really low. Um, and that tends to be a good time to buy stocks because valuations are low. Stocks have more upside because you're paying less per dollar of earnings uh, when stock prices are really high. We can use the example of the dot-com bubble of well, particularly the late 1990s, 1999, investors were paying a very high multiple for earnings, or in many cases, a high level for sales or high level just for clicks or even just for the name .com. Um, and prices subsequently fell quite a bit uh, because investors decided, you know what, paying this higher price is too much. And, and we see with other goods and services too. You might be shopping for a sofa, a piece of clothing, uh, perhaps a new computer. And you might say, you know what, this price is too high. I'm going to wait and look for a sale. It's the same thing with stocks. Prices get to a certain level. People say that's too high. I'm not going to buy. If prices get really low, uh, say it's Amazon Prime Day, which we just had, people might say that price is really appealing. I'm going to buy. So same concept in this case, we're dealing with earnings, sales, book value, uh, instead of the, the price tag on a particular good or service. That makes sense. And, you know, so so when is it applicable to use the CAPE ratio in order to analyze the long-term value of the market? So as you said, the CAPE ratio is a long-term uh, indicator. So you really want to think about in terms of your allocation because your allocation should evolve over the long-term. Uh, but I will say there are certain situations where you might want to consider using it as a short-term indicator. That's particularly if we have a bear market and you see stock prices dropping a lot, you might use a CAPE ratio to say, are prices now at a level that's historically low? So it can be used in that scenario. But by and large, uh, the CAPE ratio tends to be a long-term indicator. It tends to really look up five or 10 years. So it kind of gives you that sense. So what I would suggest to people who are thinking about using it Think about your allocation, what shifts you want to have made. 
but you can also use it to perhaps add to the general mosaic. So perhaps you are, you're paying attention to short-term valuations, uh, but then you can also use the CAPE ratio to, to give you more analysis and more color to determine is the market expensive? Is it cheap? Um, and so you can use it as one part of your analysis, but I would consider uh, if you're looking at the market, don't just look at the CAPE, look at other, other indicators, look at economic growth, look at earnings growth, uh, but also look to see what other assets are doing. Are other assets cheap or are they expensive? So it's not just a single indicator you should make all your decisions on, but it's very useful as an input in determining how you might want to tweak your portfolio or adjust your portfolio. Sense it's always important to you know c combine a lot of different and look at a lot of different various you know financial metrics and things before you actually choose what goes into your portfolio. You know you, you mentioned um, you know the PE ratio and comparing it. Um, so when would an inv investor use the CAPE ratio instead of a more traditional PE ratio? Well, I think it really depends on your focus. So I think where it's really useful if you have long term allocation and you look at your portfolio, perhaps you're trying to decide. Uh, whether or not you need to increase your exposure to stocks or decrease your exposure to stocks. Uh, that's where something like the CAPE ratio might come in. Uh, you might look at the CAPE ratio and decide, you know what, this is really high. And then perhaps your allocation, we'll just throw out a number. Say your allocation calls for a 75% allocation in the stocks. And you might look at your portfolio allocation and realize that you're now at 80% allocated the stock. So you might look at the CAPE ratio and say, you know what, I'm overweighted in stocks. The ratio is kind of high. I'm going to cut back. And maybe that cutback means, you know what, maybe I will go down to 75%, uh, but I'll allow myself a little margin on downside and I'll go down to 70%. Uh, conversely, if you see the CAPE ratio looks really low uh, and you see your allocation to stocks is really low, you might decide then, you know what, I need to bump up to target or perhaps you allow yourself a little variance and you raise it a little bit above your target as well. Um, I know there's, there's sometimes a temptation to look at the CAPE and say, I'm going to make a big decision about my allocation and perhaps I'm going to get out of stocks. I'm going to go, go all in stocks. I think it's important to realize the CAPE moves slowly. And just say, for instance, because the CAPE is really high, doesn't mean stocks are going to fall. They could just go through a period of time where perhaps returns are really low, allowing earnings to catch up with the price as opposed to having a big correction. So don't automatically assume that just because the CAPE ratio is high, there's going to be a forthcoming correction in stocks. It could just be that stocks still rise in value, but that rise is much lower than historical average. It makes sense. That's good to know um, and to advise you know, investors you know, in case they're looking at the CAPE ratio and then they're you know, freaking out or they're worried that you know, maybe they should make a, rat, like a decision right away, but it's more of a long-term indicator that they should you know, take with a grain of salt as, you know, as everything we should. Absolutely. And, um, and then I just also want to ask, you know, um, uh, is there anything else you think is important to highlight about the CAPE ratio that we didn't mention before? Well, I think it's, uh, one of the things that I'll point out again is looking at this broader context. So right now, if we look at the CAPE, um, it's currently at 28.9. Um, this is down from about 38.6 in November, which I point out in AI Journal. Um, if we look at since 1981, and I use 1981 because that's the time when interest rates last peak, that medium is 23.7. So we're above that uh, since World War II, uh, the median is 18.7. So looking at more recent history. So it is above average, 
Um, however, Schillersman quoted, he was, you know, several years ago in the AA Journal, he talked about it uh, more recently, earlier this year, he was quoted in another outlet saying, you know what, it doesn't really worry me this so much right now because other assets are really high. So, and he particularly points out bond yields are still, bonds are still priced high. Um, yields, even though they've risen quite a bit this year, are still historically low. Um, housing, anybody who's tried to buy a house knows housing's really expensive. Uh, so you need, and commodities are up as well. So I think when you consider the Cape, don't look at it by itself. You do want to consider other assets. Are other assets also expensive? In that case, you might say, yes, other assets are also expensive. So it's not surprising to see stocks are expensive as well. Um, you know, I think the other thing, though, too, um, is just realize, again, this is a long-term indicator. And it doesn't necessarily mean stock prices are going to fall when it's really high, or that stocks are going to immediately rebound when it's really low. You need to approach it with a long-term sense. Um, and realize it's just one indicator of a broader mosaic uh, when you're trying to assess your portfolio. And, and I would make the same argument versus any other indicator uh, regarding the stock market. Always treat it as a single indicator and look at the broader universe instead of being solely focused on just one single indicator. Thanks. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and, uh, to discuss uh, your article and uh, to give us a little bit more information about the Cape ratio. Great. Thanks, Jenna. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to remind our members that they can um, actually read the latest issue of the AAI journal um, by visiting aaii.com slash journal. And uh, yeah, the, thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. You too, Jenna. Thanks. Sure. We hope you enjoyed tonight's broadcast. I want to thank Charles Roteblatt for making time to chat with me today about his article. As a disclaimer, AAII recommends investors conduct proper due diligence and research before investing. And if you're looking for more information about stock screening, uh, we have an online community that is available to all AAII members where hundreds of people are discussing topics about the metrics they use to evaluate a company before investing, comparing and contrasting growth versus value strategies, which AAII screens have worked for them in the past, and so much more. So visit community.aaii.com to learn more and join the stock screening community. And as always, please remember to click the subscribe button if you'd like to be alerted of future II shows. And you can always catch a replay of tonight's event on our YouTube channel and make sure to register for upcoming AAII events on webinars by visiting aaii.com webinars. And if you're an investor on the go and want to catch the II show while driving or going for your daily walk, you can now follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and so much more. Also, members can read Charles' article as well as so much more in the July issue of the AAII Journal by visiting aaii.com journal. And with that, we wish all of you viewing good health, good fortune, and a great afternoon. Thank you and happy investing.